<laughs> You're listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you are interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at $2, 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of us needs and appreciates all your support. It has been a long time since we got a genuine rock and rollers in a narrative film playing themselves movie. I can't even think of the last one. I'm just going to call this uh, Foo Fighters Meet the Phantom of the Park. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Which is not entirely an accurate way of describing this. And I'm sure that discussion happened when Dave Grohl and company decided that they were going to make this horror movie Studio 666, which obviously has its tongue very firmly implanted in its cheek. But I have a team of horror movie aficionados and i don't know maybe foo fighter aficionados here to talk with me about it i've got chad hey luane hey how's it going and bob hey everybody and i am chris man i think we are all on the same page when we heard okay the foo fighters are playing themselves in a movie that they basically are producing and made happen written on a story from lead guy dave grohl you know with a couple comedians on the side like leslie grossman and will forte i think we all kind of went well this almost certainly is not going to be great but i gotta see it yes yeah absolutely that's literally what i thought (laughs) i mean i I realized i put the call out there but anybody want to see this that i would get immediate oh my god yes from like a very small percentage of our crew and the rest would be like why would you want to see that (laughs) a lifelong dave grohl fan i love the first three foo fighters albums after that i'm kind of like well there's a track here there's a track there that i really like but i've always said dave grohl seems like a dude you'd want to be your best friend just like easygoing guy he's very humor is very self-depreciating he helps out other people all the time and, and he's really close friends with tenacious d which alone i think is like you know it's like worth the ticket yeah yeah, yeah exactly but this film studio 666 takes a pretty basic bitch idea which is which is how somebody else described it to me and i laughed so I, i'm keeping it starts with This studio in the 90s, there's this band called Dream Widow, and it starts with an incredibly brutal, violent scene with someone murdering this band, like, really graphically. And then said person hangs themselves from a window. Flash to 2019, the Foo Fighters are being pressured by their manager to say, like, guys, the record is overdue. You can come up with something. They're like, we don't have anything, but we do know that we want to find somewhere new with a different type of energy to record. And uh, their manager's like, okay, actually, I have the perfect place, which, of course, is the house that we saw in the little preview in the beginning. Uh, He doesn't tell them that all of this happened there, although they know that this is the place this band recorded their last album, but doesn't know what happened there. It's clear from the beginning they're playing a very traditional take on the bands playing themselves in these type of films where nobody really likes each other everybody is like a total diva drama queen especially (laughs) dave Grohl. i mean they're obviously 
they're taking the piss out of the whole idea of being rock stars from the get-go here. But they're in there, and literally, there's just no idea. I mean, there's a scene where Dave Grohl is like, oh, guys, I think I came up with something, and he starts playing, like, Everlong, and they're like, no, dude, that's, like, Everlong from, you know, they do that bit. They do a lot of the bits you expect, of course, with the exception of a dream he has where Lionel Richie comes in and talks to him, like, for real, which is weird and strange choice, and I can only assume he's somebody's godfather or something who worked on the set. It's not really a spoiler, because it's not plot-relevant, like, at all. It could have been anyone. He discovers that there's a basement that contains weird, creepy, satanic shit. Dave does. And he starts to feel the effects of it, and it becomes clear, and if you've seen the trailer, you get this, that Grohl is being possessed by whatever was possessing the guy who originally killed his band into recording this the final album and most of it being one song and getting the song exactly right for presumably satanic reasons and along the way brutally murdering his band and whoever else shows up along the way let me say well i think that this is script wise very predictable there's no big surprises a lot of the jokes don't really work watching these guys have fun though is fun there's a sort of like okay i'm with this because i can tell everybody is just having just the most joyous time goofing off in this movie, which is always fun when you can tell actors are having a good time and like it. But more importantly, and I didn't expect this, this is a Gorehound's wet dream. Oh my God, yes. Any movie you've ever seen with two people having sex where they get killed at the same time by the killer, fuck everything you've seen before. This jumps straight to number one on that list. (laughs) This immediately goes to number one of like, I was like, oh my God, I have to see this and watch this again because that was spectacularly over the top gory and inventive and wow. That's the main pull here. You're either a huge Foo Fighters fan and you got to see everything or you're a gigantic gore hound that likes to see it when it's done really, really well. And all the gore here is done really, really, really well. well. It's funny. You mentioned uh, Tenacious D earlier, which I agree. Like Dave girl goes all the way back to tribute and he played the devil. And then he was in the movie to pick a destiny playing the devil. But with that movie, you're dealing with two people. I mean, KG is more of an actor, but Jack Black definitely carries more of that movie. This one, you're definitely relying more on your talent, and your talent happens just to be a band first and actors eh, third or fourth. And yeah, some of the jokes don't work, but they feel like they would work if they were more classically trained actors. But I don't feel like that's a huge mark on this movie, because like you said earlier... You come in either being a Foo Fighters fan or a Gorehound. There's a lot of flavors to play with here. Even if you don't like the Foo Fighters, just the horror element alone. You know, what horror movie have you seen that doesn't have a bad screenplay or isn't acted well? You know what I mean? I feel like there's a lot of stuff that kind of makes up for the fact that it's okay as a script and as a concept and the acting and so forth. I've seen a million monster movies and slasher movies and horror movies. These guys are no worse than any of a number of other casts exactly and because it's who it is it's actually kind of fun to watch because dave and taylor have a certain charisma anyway so they're fun to watch even if they're not star power actors and dude you're not kidding about the gore when that finally kicks off i'm like oh my god this is my new favorite right now just (laughs) Mm -hmm. for that even the raccoon was vicious yes Like, that was great. You know, on the gore, I mean, obviously, it's not the goriest thing I've ever seen, but it did actually make me think of Brandon Cronenberg's Possessor for a minute, Mm -hmm. Mm because that's one of the last 
really bloody movies I've seen. It's a horror movie. It's whatever. But I didn't expect that in either movie. So that was really cool. What you guys are saying about the band too. Like this is one of those movies where some of the stuff I just wanted more of. I would have loved if it had went darker. I would have loved if it would have just been like Scooby-Doo type the guys running around with flashlights for an hour and a half. a mystery. I would have loved that we got like a couple original songs, but I know why none of that stuff happened. This was a shoestring COVID budget shot movie. Sure. Which is well done. Dave Grohl is, is really neat in this. I, I find him really affable on screen and it kind of makes me want to see him like in a Kevin Smith movie. Maybe <laughs> he rides that line with multiple lines of dialogue in secession where it's a little clunky, but it's still believable. So I'd like to see him in some more comedic stuff. I mean, I would argue he's actually not a bad actor in this. Right. And the yeah. movie is, Grohl is the centerpiece of this film. Like, sure. the yes. bulk of the scenes center around him. He is the primary character. He gets the most to do. Everyone here is, like, chewing all the scenery as much as they can within their abilities to act at all. But Grohl, especially, is just having a fantastic time. And, I mean, the guy isn't restrained or embarrassed or anything. He is all in and that's one of the things i was most worried about like he would come off as stiltered and awkward and i don't think he did at all i think out of all of them he's the most media trained he's the centerpiece of the band he was you know one third of nirvana back in the day you know and no offense to other bandmates like i love the foo fighters but dave girl's definitely out more in the front and he's probably interacted more with people and have probably learned more about the inner workings of being an actor than the other guys but can i say i wasn't even sure that we were going to review this for sure because the studio was being very yeah. weird about getting us all copies of it but we you know, like fuck it it's now vod let's all go watch it on our own and then taylor hawkins tragically died yes, dude uh, uh, and i was like we have to cover this now yes. this is one of the last things he ever did he is one of the all-time great modern day drummers who actually i believe his big start was with alanis morissette yep. back in the day i have a lot of musician friends my various socials and Everybody was just, I know, was just heartbroken. So many of them knew him and established what a great, kind dude that he was. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, really, really tragic. And although this is not how he died (laughs) in this film, his death in the film is one of my favorite deaths in the whole movie. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I was going to say, he had one of the better deaths, which is like hard to say, but it's true. There's a lot of blood in the movie, but his death is the best blood for me, too. I mean, it's a spoiler, but at the same time, this is one of those films where you go into it pretty damn sure from the beginning, literally everyone in this movie is going to die before it's over. I mean, it's a fucking slasher film with a bunch of people in a house. There's going to be a killer running around. You're like, well, it's not like they're not going to die. Death Widow, the the fictional band that's... Or Dream Widow, whatever it is. Dream Widow, I think. Dream Widow. There's actually some Dream Widow videos on YouTube. I actually was listening to some of the music. It's actually pretty good metal. Huh. Yeah, like, it's clearly been produced by, like, Dave and the guys as something to go along with this, but it's it's actually pretty good. So you get to hear the Foos, or at least Dave, do some, like, thrash, so that's kind of cool. Have you guys ever listened to, like, ProBot or any of the side projects, the millions of side projects Dave's done? Like, he is not in one corner of the music industry. He can do it all. And not just obviously play different instruments and sing and play guitar, but genre wise, he's, he is all over the place and just technically sound. And he's always been a genius. I did really dig the music that we got in the film, which is yeah. this 38 minutes or something at one point. 38 minutes song. <laughs> how long the song is. And he's like, is it going to be that long? He's like, no, it's going to be longer. But that one track you could tell was something that they were really jamming on. Mm-hmm. And I like that, you know, like I said, I would have loved original stuff because I, 
just think contextually in the movie it makes it richer but that they were jamming on this one metal track you know i think that goes to show that the foo fighters you know knew what they were doing on some level they weren't going to come in here and the song they were going to be jamming on was everlong like they're not anthem rock they're definitely in the more upbeat stuff but they went straight for the sludgy led zeppelin you know there's a a metallica bridge in one of the, yeah. the heavy passages of the song yep. i love hearing them jump through all those different things and that snare sound was hilarious now i mentioned the lionel richie cameo there's lots of other cameos in here that are oh, yeah. a lot more obscure both from a horror side and from a music side and one i didn't pick up on is like the first guy in here to die krug is played by Kerry King, who's one of the founders and co-lead guitarists of Slayer. Slayer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I was like, oh, damn. <laughs> I should have known, I guess. You know, you're going to fill it up with sure. people you know and your friends. But my favorite, well, first off, you have uh, Jimmy Simpson plays a small role in here, Jenny Ortega, Leslie Grossman, Will Forte, but Jason Trost, who is yes! the star and writer-director of the really fun 2011 dystopian future comedy The FP, has a small role in here. Yes. Uh, which I thought was very funny because he's wearing an eye patch the whole time which is you know kind of the th- his thing i guess yeah. but the fact that his co-studio mate who's producing the album with them is played by none other than the legendary john carpenter, john carpenter. you yes, know who's essentially playing himself but the fact that jimmy's sitting next to him with an eye patch and you're like that's john carpenter you can't help but think escape from new york right right <laughs> <laughs> i'm the guy that uses my streaming service to listen to movie soundtracks so i feel like i gotta put this in there but carpenter wrote the theme for this yeah. yes. movie yes which strangely sounds like carol of the bells yeah. on halloween i'll be honest i listen to all john Carpenter's uh, albums he's been doing with his son, which I think are terrific. I didn't think this was one of his better scores. No, it was a sure. little simplistic. It didn't quite work for me, but like, it's not terrible or anything. When yeah, you hear no. it, you're immediately like, is that John Carpenter? Yes. <laughs> it's, it's like a lot of things in this movie. It's serviceable for this thing. Right? Yeah. It's not another Halloween. It's not a new thing. It's what works for this movie. Everything yeah. about this is enough. Well, why don't you go on into your final thoughts, Louane? This mostly looks good. It sounds good. I like the music. The gore is great. Fun cameos. You know, maybe another pass at the script, but the script is also good enough for what this is. It's way better than I was afraid it was going to be, but maybe not as awesome as I'd hoped. It's still better than Middle of the Road, so I'm going to say 3.5. Five out of five cameos that made me go, oh, holy shit, that's... Chad? I'm a horror fan. You guys are horror fans, too. It's the initial draw for this movie for me. Obviously, Foo Fighters is a big cherry on top of it. Luane said, everything's serviceable. It works. And in between all the scenes where, you know, the guys are really kind of like carrying themselves, which can be a little rough. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. You have all these other cameos. Whitney Cummings as the neighbor or uh, Will Forte as the delivery guy that can kind of add, you know, little buffers and give you a little bit more meteor acting if that's what your heart really desires. But all in all, I really like this movie. I'll definitely watch it again. It'll end up being a cult classic for at least the fans. I don't see how it wouldn't be. I'll give it six, six, six out of ten. Uh, Rob? You know, a lot of the film, uh, especially at the beginning, or as the plot's developing, is Grohl on his own as the house gets progressively creepier and creepier. 
Those segments are really stylized, which is the thing that I like the most about the movie. We got some weird creature stuff and nightmare type scenes and, you know, stuff like that. And I wish we had got more of that, but I get it. That's not what this was. And that's fine. About the humor, having been in a band when I was younger, some of this humor was very recognizable, but just kind of whack for how long the band's been around. I think we could have classed up the comedy a drop. One other thing that I didn't really dig was the act three also done in a cameo exposition dump i think was a little overwrought for a tiny little band Mm -hmm. horror movie that went on a little bit too long but man that lionel richie cameo made my fucking week (laughs) but that was hilarious i think pat smear needs recognition for his clothing in this film in one scene he's got a navy blue crushed velvet tracksuit on and man the gore is great as a horror movie or a horror comedy i think it's fine i'm not really one that goes out and seeks the gore but i'd recommend this for fans of gore fans of the horror comedy fans of horror i think it's a fun watch i'm gonna go 6.5 out of 10 splayed raccoons i I think as a horror film, this is deeply derivative, but never really crosses over into being a meta commentary on the films that it's stealing from, which I think is kind of a, of a really big fault here that it's just so, yeah, we've seen this, that there's a point that p- the plot is a little dull. You're like, uh, okay, we, we've seen this so many times. I think as a comedy, a lot of it's pretty poorly written. I think everybody delivers as well as they're capable of, which isn't even meant as like, insulting it with uh, faint praise it everybody's on the whole comes off pretty well but it's just not all that funny most of the time you're like okay i mean it's cute but that's about as strong as i'd say for most of it like okay the lionel richie scene is the only scene in the whole film that i laughed out loud at that was funny but also like the strangest non sequitur in the film like why is this even here <laughs> it's so arbitrary that it happens to be lionel richie in the scene but the gore is, yeah, almost unassailable, like near perfectly executed. I think the music on the whole is pretty good. I love all the cameos. It's for a very niche specific audience. And I guess I am part of that niche specific audience. But even then, I'm like, it's fine. I don't know if I'm going to watch this again. But I know people who I'll be like, oh, man, you, you'd probably like that. You should watch it. That I would recommend it to. You, you know from listening to this review whether or not you're one of those people already. So I'm going to give this six out of ten guitarists that used to be in Me First in the gimme gimmies and i kind of wish they had like thrown a reference into that because i love the shit out of me first in the gimme gimmies yeah that one of the guitarists for the Foo fighters was originally the guitarist for them and yeah. have you ever listened to those guys y'all know that band oh hell yeah yeah they're a punk rock cover band cover that band. only covers that mainly covers non-punk rock songs in a punk rock style yeah they're somewhere over the rainbows real nice and they're ter- like super tight and really funny and like yeah they've got like nine albums or something like they're <laughs> they're really good well now i know what i'm doing later Well, there you go.